podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Barstoolers Premier League Podcast. I'm your host, Connell, and I'm joined by my perfectly capable co-hosts, James, Michael and Ronan. And uh, happy to say we're back after an international break. The international break isn't quite over. If you want to uh, see some top quality football between uh, the Republic of Ireland and Qatar in Budapest, for some reason, that's taking place on the evening of recording, the Tuesday. Not really sure why it's happening in the first place. And uh, especially in Budapest. Seems an absolutely ridiculous thing to happen, but um, that is going ahead. Uh, but anyway, lads, how have you how have you dealt with the international break? I found myself uh, there on Sunday, really just at a loose end because there was no football to watch. I was going to say I didn't realise the Qatar game was tonight, and it was miserable because watching Ireland play football is always miserable. Well, at least it has been for about five years now. Nothing has ever brought me joy since you know twenty sixteen. League of Ireland's back, but again. The dog the dog enjoyed, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm a fan, so it's not been the best, to be honest. I didn't really have high hopes for the international break, but it, it it's just so depressing. Like you shouldn't be losing the Luxembourg, but I will. The only sort of excuse there were a lot of players injured, but Luxembourg were a great team to sort of pick up three points and get the ball rolling in the World Cup qualifying campaign because. We've never seen Ireland play in the World Cup. Like, but they they were there in 2002, but we were only babbies. So we couldn't see the greatness unfold. But it's just the potential of a piss up. That's that's why it'll just be so good. Like, even last 16 World Cup, big bag of cans does the job, but it's not looking hopeful already. And we've only played two games. Fucking, you would need a mortgage to get a bag of cans in Qatar, in fairness. <laughs> well, just killing the, the North, lads, you know. Yeah, as Killian shout. Well, Ian Barraclough's their manager now, so they're not qualifying. I don't know what the group is, but as Killian Sheridan says, we'll probably still get to the World Cup because there'll be a load of teams pulling out because of human rights violations. So we can just we can put our hand up and say, yeah, we'll go. So um, that only works for teams that aren't going to qualify. 115 (laughs) teams uh, at this World Cup. We will be one of the teams not there, which is a bit of a joke. Oh, is it 48 for this one? Yeah, 48. No, and I think it's only the top two in the group go through for us. I don't think that's this World Cup. I think it's the next one. I thought it was this one. I think you're right. I thought it was it, But I don't know. I, yeah, anyway, I a World Cup at Christmas. A World Cup at Christmas is going to be disgusting, though. Yeah, it's shy anyway. I didn't want to go. Like two days before Christmas, the World Cup final. It's, it's not going to be the same, but still want to see Ireland. Lads, money talks. Yeah, but uh, getting on to the actual subject matter of this podcast, uh, the Premier League, there's really no point talking about the weekend's games just gone by because A, it was that long ago, and B, barely anything interesting happened in, I think it was only five games because FA Cup. Arsenal came back from three goals down, which was all right. but um, As exciting as it gets. Nine days later, that's just Arsenal drawn against West Ham. So, I mean, you probably won't dwell on it. Uh, but major news came out of the Premier League yesterday, and that was that Sergio Aguero will not be getting his contract renewed uh, by Manchester City, and he's going to leave at the end of the season after 10 years at the Etihad. 
Uh, I think it's 257 goals he scored for City, their top ever goal scorer. Mind you, there's not much competition in 384 games. He's actually a, a bona fide Premier League great, isn't he? Yeah, he's a legend. Um, he was being a legend since the goal against QPR, really. Um, mm. He's always going to be after that. And probably the best, certainly since I've been watching the Premier League, I think the only striker that comes close is Suarez. Um, and Aguero stayed in the Premier League longer, one more. So he's probably the best striker I've seen in the Premier League anyway, consistently. Yeah, you've yeah, seen that consistency start to fade a little bit, which is unfortunate. If he, I think it's the right time to go, to be honest with you. With us growing up through our teenage years, really, he was the man. He was the fella you get in at the fancy football at the start of the season. You'd have him in your team all year. He'd bang the goals. He'd get the points. And now he's he's leaving. Uh, whether he goes to another Premier League team, probably not. Might see him go back to Atletico if Suarez leaves. Might see him go back to Argentina because his family's there and maybe see how his last days at Independent. <laughs> his last days. <laughs> last days as a footballer. And yeah, but it's breaking news. Conor has been shot out like the back by Remy Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only striker that you can maybe say in our time that has been better is Harry Kane, but I think Aguero has had that sort of longevity that Kane definitely has the potential to be better than him. But as it stands, Aguero has been the best striker I've seen in the Premier League. Aguero's also actually won something. That is true. Um, I know there was, there was that joke that was going around for a while about Aguero saying he was staying at City until he won a Champions League. Um, and they might well do that this year. So again, yeah. that'll be a great note for him to go out off on. Do not hope that happens because fuck City winning the Champions League, that'd be miserable. Um, but he'll probably... If he was going to go to anyone else in Europe, probably would be Atletico because he's just like signing... The old lad at this stage. I have a question for you, Connell. What were your reactions that time? QPR, 2-1 down. You get the, the notification on Sky. You're watching Sky Sports News. Goal out of the Etihad. What were you thinking? Well, I remember my, uh, my, my good friend, Harry, who I was speaking to today, if you're listening to the podcast, he was over that day. You know, sixth class. You know, we were, what, 11 years old, 12 years old. And, uh, you know, obviously a big United fan. Um, I remember checking the score. I want to say maybe at like 80 minutes. I wasn't watching it. Probably at 80 minutes, seeing that United are winning, that QPR were beating City. So I was like, fucking class, right? I'll check that in 20 minutes. I was not a happy man when I checked the score again. I couldn't believe it. But, uh, but yeah. no. And again, you know, linking Aguero to United. Just, you know, United, try and sign him. If you look for a backup, I would respect respect Sergio Aguero if he just threw away his legacy to be backup striker for United. You know, that's the only way you could really respect his mentality because I seen someone tweet there that Sergio Aguero, an unbelievable striker, longevity, all the goals uh, with absolutely no character or charisma, a true era defining player of uh, the last 10 years of the Premier League. <laughs> I think that his best moment off the pitch was he went up to some fans' door and he knocked it. Hello! It was probably as much English as he had. Yeah, his English wasn't great. Was it Edder Valencia just, or Antonio Valencia just didn't learn English when he was playing at United? Yeah, a lot of the players. And then Bale couldn't speak a word of Spanish when he went over. Staying on Aguero, but completely unrelated to Premier League. I had his team of the season card on FIFA last year. He was an absolute... 
gunman just didn't miss 96 rated Aguero he had a team the season yeah <laughs> oh he scored like what 20, scored 20 goals last season like 16 in, in 24 I suppose yeah he was class yeah. I got him with my Ronaldo team of the season finances and he was a good addition to the squad well, Colin, that is a, an interesting point you make about the era-defining players just not having the same personality as years gone by, but maybe more quality because that was what Diego Maradona, I know he said a lot of things, uh, but he leveled that at Messi and that Argentina team generally that just wasn't the personality in the dressing room, which there was in years gone by. And it is palpable. Like it was a serious decline and you can't really make up for that with quality on the pitch. Maradona was that personality because he was addicted to cocaine. So he was probably all quite lively when he was playing um, but the best situation here for Guerrero now is just to get fat and get addicted to cocaine just to live what up do you mean get fat he he's already fat, fat. <laughs> he's just class of football anyway <laughs> <laughs> so I seen someone say there that uh, you know imagine how good Luke Shaw would be if he had a footballer's body he'd be unbelievable <laughs> um, but Guerrero I remember hearing one thing about him before that he was horrendous for showing up late to training he absolutely he never showed up on time and he'd get fined every single week. And he said, Yeah, go ahead, find me. I'll still score a hat trick at the weekend. <laughs> we needed to see more of that mentality coming through in like interviews and stuff because I don't think anyone really cares about him that much other than City fans. You know, like if he was able to speak English, he would have been in a lot more interviews, but obviously he wasn't really too bothered. But he definitely can speak English like it just oh, he's got a Twitch streamer as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah. He, he does it all in Spanish. <laughs> He has his uh, Premier League Player of the Month trophies. He uses that as like a stand for his camera. So he has them all <laughs> piled up on, and then he has the camera on top. What a scrub. He's got loads of money. Buy a camera. <laughs> Buy a tripod. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The flex. It's all about the flex. Yeah. So where would he, he... Yeah, Mixer, you said he's the best Premier League striker you've seen, you know, in sort of our year of growing up. It's... I mean, it's pretty I think hard you to, to disagree. You have to think, take the consistency into that. Yeah, like, exactly. There will yeah. be... If Suarez had played the 10 season, like if you take his Barcelona career, but he didn't. So he's not the best Premier League striker. It's Aguero. That I've seen. Obviously, we weren't around the 90s when Alan Shearer and Andy Cole were banging them in. I know we've been there for Rooney, but I just think Aguero, he's the man. Yeah, I, I think Suarez is a better finisher, but like that Suarez is only really doing it for Liverpool for two or three seasons. Aguero's been here since... 10 years now was it 2011 he signed yeah. exactly 10 years yeah yeah so I yeah I, does anyone really comes close yeah I completely agree with the lads it'd have to be as far as hands down if he'd stayed up until uh, Liverpool or another Premier League club until now because he had the semantics as well like like apart from the talent and the ability which just made him an all-round bastard quite frankly <laughs> so uh, yeah he's probably clear but maybe someone like Hazakane prob- probably will if he stays injury free like Aguero's been plagued with injuries I think Harry Kane to be clear. Yeah, he really has. He still gets 15, 20 goals a season, even though he's injured what seems for like a month, two months, every season. Basically, Correct. if Aguero had tried to eat more defenders, he'd be a lot more memorable. Yeah. I throw my biased uh, United hat here in the conversation. Between 2010 and 2013, Robin Van Persie. Either side of that, you know, it, it wasn't brilliant, but he, he was banging in 35 goals a season. But if you look at Aguero's numbers here, in all comps since he joined City, 30 goals, 17, which is a bit of a, um, you know, a blip. 30 goals, 17, 28, 32, 29, 33, 30, 32, 23. And then this season, obviously only three. 
But yeah, that's just remarkable consistency. But uh, on Aguero, though, City play the last sort of three or four seasons, City have played some absolute disgraceful teams in the Cup and they've absolutely starred Aguero all of those yeah, games. Albion. Well, obviously, think Burton, but like there have been some disgraceful teams in there which have really been stat padding. I am sorry. The last few years, he has been stat padding something serious. Oh, I think it's harsh to say stop adding over whole season. No, like. Barton, <laughs> Barton Albion was funny as well. I think it was the season, last season, Liverpool were playing City at Anfield and all Martin Tyler talked about the whole game, how Aguero didn't have his Anfield goal. No matter how good Liverpool had played that game, will Aguero get the Anfield goal? He's the man. But then we have to remember that Martin Tyler is a disgraceful commentator, and the only good thing he's ever done is the Aguero. It is an iconic commentary line in our childhood, and if you look up any iconic commentary compilations on YouTube, guarantee you it'll be there. Yeah, but he's got one foot in the nursing home at this stage. Okay, and then moving on to our only real sort of, well... No, no, that you can't really say that. But our, our next conversation topic, uh, obviously very relevant to you as Liverpool fans, is uh, the news that it certainly looks like Ibrahima Kanate, I don't know if it's Kanate or Kanat, is going to Liverpool for probably something around 40 million euros, um, most likely to be a partner to Virgil van Dijk and uh, certainly looking to solve those defensive problems that they've had all season. Um, so what are your initial reactions to this potential deal? And it certainly looks like it's going to happen. Uh, good backup for Nat Phillips. I think it's definitely a necessity to get a an up and coming defender in this day and age. Canate, yeah, initially I was really, really pleasantly surprised, and Liverpool Twitter, by all accounts, just it's just disgracefully deflated at the minute. Like liking him to Joe Gomez or Matip, thinking he's going to have an ACL, you know, every other season. Um, it's just a bit unfair at this lad. He's 21. It's, I know he's had a few injuries already, but it, it was, I hated the reaction to his signing. I thought it was just really pathetically miserable across the board from people. So uh, people need to lift it. It's a great sign. Yeah, that's all football Twitter are saying, oh, Jesus, he's missed X amount of games with injury. But then they forget to take that he's actually a decent footballer. Yeah, and look That's, how disgraceful the Thiago hype was, Mixer. Like he's end up doing nothing. Like, like, but the he's right. done nothing yet because he's yet, been played he out of position because of our centre back, mm. uh, sort of problem. But I know now, like we have Kabak and now Phillips. Like they're both grand, but you need that bit of star power to back up Van Dijk because Gomez and Matip they can't stay fit. Like if Matip was guaranteed to be fit. I'd have a Matip and Van Dyke centre back partnership because I think that Joe Gomez has mistakes in him. I know last season he was decent, but I don't think he's a long term solution. I think Matip is definitely very good, but his legs are made of paper. So, do you think this is a long term solution for like a Matip? Like you know, Matip's gonna be at the door maybe this season, or as another season is too early to say. I uh, I I'm fairly confident that next season is gonna be. Um, if he's fit, Kanash and Van Dijk at the back, and he's going to keep, uh, I think we're going to sign Kabak permanently, and then just have Kabak and Gomez as the backup centre halves, and probably sell Matip or let him go, and then sell Nat Phillips, who's probably going to be cost a lot more now because he's actually been decent this season. So that's what I'd say would happen, but again, I don't know. Yeah, I could, everything. I could see Nat Phillips going to a mid table Premier League team. 
he heads everything. But Burnley. Yeah, but he, like he's Burnley. he's a very like Tarkovsky esque player. Just everything's in the air. Everything's won. He's a champ. Yeah, I have to say I'm well impressed with this potential sign. We must stress it's it's not done, but it certainly looks like it's going to be. Um, I'm just looking at his uh, who scored his rating. I won't bother going into because he's barely played this season. He's only started nine games in all competitions, um, but his stats were pretty poor. Said strength, aerial duels, weaknesses, nothing really. Uh, likes to play short passes, indirect set piece threat, whatever that means. Uh, clears the ball, edge of defence often likes to tackle, so you can't read too much from that, to be honest. He's quick um, as well, so him and Van Dyke too, just absolute machines at the back. And um, yeah, he's going through it, like there's a piece written up on him as well by Ledek, and it reminds me of Eric Bailly, because he says, a popular member of the dressing room, the 21-year-old is famous for his love of colourful tracksuits and Dragon Ball-themed socks, as well as being <laughs> funny with his one-liners. So he seems to be a very popular guy in the dressing room, and uh, as I said, I'm well impressed with him. Um, he was someone I, bas- I, I did want at United. Uh, he's right-footed, which wouldn't have been perfect, but that's been very pernickety beside Maguire. Uh, but he's that type of profile that I think would suit Maguire. And uh, I basically just think he's better than Upa Meccano. I'm not that impressed with Upa Meccano. Um, uh, basically but, means that Ben Davies is definitely never going to play a game of football for Liverpool. I was thinking that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who cares? He's shite anyways. Yeah, well, we, the injury crisis that severe. It doesn't hurt to have another warm body in that position. And that's yeah. all he is. Because he might play a cup games next season. Like, he could... And then you forget, like you have Reese Williams, but yeah, that man, he's so slow. Reese Williams, we put it on low, and Ben Davies, we maybe Matip or someone. What if Matip and Phelps be sold, if not both of them? Maybe if like Reese Williams cut his hair, he'd be quicker, there'd be less drag in his hair or something, less air resistance. But he looks like he looks like Reese Williams looks like Van Dyke if Van Dyke didn't have a game face on FIFA. He looks like uh, Mr. Price Van Dyke, that's what he is. Mr. He Price. is Mr. Price. Price. Nah, he's always. He was never going to be amazing. Like he was playing at Kilimanjaro. I Hallie guess he, we are criticizing a player that is younger than all of us. This is true. So, yeah, I mean, see. who's winning, us or him? <laughs> so, by predicting each and every game left in the Premier League season, we're going to predict what we think the final table will look like. So, rather than saying, "Oh, I think Liverpool are going to get top four," I don't think they're going to get top four. Put your money where your mouth is, and. Um, you know, as you predict the games and then look at the table at the end of it. So I have my predicted table here. I'm not going to go through all of it, obviously, because I doubt you care that I think Wolves are going to finish 13th, etc. Um, but my table is City win the league. Uh, no surprise on 93 points. United on second on 79 points. Leicester on uh, in third with 69 points. Chelsea in fourth with 67. Just pipping Everton uh, to top four by two points. Uh, then we have Liverpool two points behind them on 63. So there's only four points separating sixth and ninth, which is Liverpool, West Ham, Villa and Tottenham. And I'm relegated. I have Sheffield United and West Brom uh, being equally shit at the bottom, both on 21 points. Then Newcastle falling seven points short of Fulham. Um, and then just a couple of points above them, the likes of Palace and Brighton, so there's only a couple of points separating 15th to 17th there, but ultimately, I do have the likes of Fulham and Brighton staying up pretty comfortably. Uh, with my top four being City, United, Leicester, and Chelsea, uh, with Liverpool in sixth, uh, just behind Everton. 
So I'm sure Evertonians will take that, uh, even if they just do miss out on top four. Have you got anything noticeable in your tables? Um, I have same top four as you. City win the league in 93 points. I've United and Leicester uh, finishing equal on points, but Leicester, uh, United finishing above on goal difference. Um, Chelsea fourth. I have Liverpool fifth, Everton sixth. I think Liverpool finished three points above them on 68 points. And then my bottom three is Newcastle, West Brom, Sheffield. And Fulham stay up on goal difference, according to me. And neither Spurs or Arsenal get European football next year. My bottom three is not like anything notable at all. It's uh, Sheffield United dead last, then it's West Brom. I think that's pretty much everyone's bottom two. Then I've got Newcastle in there and Fulham just pipping Newcastle. And it's there's like a massive mega Premier League fixture. I think last weekend or just second last week, game week 37. No, Fulham, um, Fulham, Newcastle. So that's going to be massive in the Craven Cottage. That's going to decide it for me. Newcastle could go down by that stage, to be honest. True. They could, you know, especially with not having Callum Wilson. But or Fulham. That. We'll see. Or Fulham, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, but it could be huge. Could be, might not be. But yeah, my top five or six, I had West Ham in, in fifth and Liverpool in four. Don't really believe if we go focusing on the Champions League, we can really finish top four. Uh, but you never know. These things can happen. Now, I just hope that this table doesn't age too badly. My top four, no surprise, City winning the league, 95 points. United second, Liverpool third, Chelsea fourth, beating Leicester on goal difference. On their boat on 69 points, then Everton sixth, Spurs seventh. And then my bottom three, I have West Brom bottom, Sheffield second bottom, and Newcastle all in the relegation zone. Now, I would like to see, I think the top champions is going to be City. Obviously, they're going to win the league. They're going to wrap that up in plenty of time. But I wouldn't mind uh, now deadline and deadline day sort of uh, as it stands table with the relegation zone, like what Sky do, adds to the tension and potential for just some madness. I'd love to see that. Even if it was just between two or three of the teams, like the, who do I have? I have Fulham, beating the drop and Burnley and Palace and them boys like even if there was just some sort of closeness on the last day it'd be entertaining for all well maybe not the fans involved but as a neutral neutral, very good well certainly the relegation battle has potential to be very tight as we've went over in this podcast I have Fulham finishing seven points ahead of them so not that tight in the end yeah I have seven Um, as well I think my top four and my relegation battle are all they're both goal difference like I think I had Liverpool finishing outside on goal difference and Fulham staying up on goal difference again that was me just like filling in random results so like I don't know but I don't think I predicted Newcastle to win any more games this season I think I had them winning one or two but that's about it I think I was very optimistic with Liverpool I think I had the only game that they uh, didn't no, win was against United but I think I had them winning every other game which I am hopefully optimistic, but I would sacrifice top four for Champions League, obviously, just for a trophy. But you'd qualify for the Champions League again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah through it. Just yeah. the limbs of a Champions League final, just oh. but yeah, top four, just finishing a strong position in the league to bounce back next season would be a good confidence booster for the boys. I think we yeah. do have a fairly easy run in per se. 
again, we've we've dropped points to a lot of shit teams, so nothing's guaranteed. The only big six team we have left is United. We've Arsenal this weekend. Not really but I just think that if we don't finish outside, if we finish outside the top four, rather, it's going to be the whole narrative. Worst champions ever. That's all that's going to be said. People won't look into the, the injuries. It'll just be, look at the table, look where they finished. These lads are rubbish. They were overhyped. They're shite. Oh, One season said, wonders. Proofs in the pudding, mate. Next season we go again, you know, all of a sudden. As you say, Champions League, you never know. So we'll just wait and see. We're also... Definitely not the worst champions ever because Leicester nearly got relegated and Chelsea finished 10th. It's the biggest drop-off. Biggest yeah. drop-off, yeah. Mm. Not the worst champions. Being shit yeah. champions, I'm not trying to defend it, but we're yeah. not the worst. I mean, certainly, like, I, I, I wouldn't... Like, you had Liverpool finish in third and I kind of thought that was unlikely. But, um, but it, it's not really because uh, there's only nine points separating third from ninth in my table. Leicester on 69, Chelsea 67, Everton 65, Liverpool 63, West Ham 62, Villa 61, Tottenham 60. So it's very, very tight. And uh, it, there's definitely, I'd be shocked if that is decided before the final day at the top four. Like I, if it was only the last couple of weeks really where Jota came back and Fabinho was back in the midfield. It was Nat Phillips and Quebec. If that wasn't what was being played, then I'd have a completely different like having Jota back and having Fabinho back in the midfield is game changer. Yeah, I just keep an eye on Leicester and Chelsea maybe for consistency-wise. Chelsea still haven't found their feet up top and uh, obviously Leicester relying on Kletchy heavily at the minute um, to get the goals for them because Vardy is just not firing at yeah, all. Yeah, now, now Leicester out of the cup, so it's all... Oh yeah, you know, they should absolutely be the league. Blood, blood, Brendan Rodgers have blood on his hands. if he Leicester are out of the cup. Uh, Leicester are in the cup. Wait, a semi-final against Southampton. Oh, oh, geez, what am I on about? Yeah, sure, yeah. United, they lost the United, Jesus. I but th- that's only two games. Chelsea yeah. are still in the Champions League. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. God, I am sorry. And Chelsea have Porto, so Chelsea are going to be in the semi-final. It's probably going to be Liverpool, well, not probably, but it could be Liverpool-Chelsea. Liverpool-Chelsea, be so most good. Likely. <laughs> Uh, most likely I still it's Champions League semi-final ever if you look at their st- league campaigns <laughs> yeah I still don't know about Real Madrid because uh, I still don't think they're that shit because they do have good players but yeah, they're well, not the Real Madrid of old and then Ramos, we the Liverpool of old, so. Ramos dislocates Salah's head or something <laughs> <laughs> he's coming for the other arm this time but yeah um, Salah yeah. just needs to hit him with a De Jong against Alonso kick he just needs to fucking end him <laughs> Uh, so certainly uh, an interesting end to the campaign other than the title race, unfortunately. But hey, you never know. 21 could still be on. I'm having myself on. Right, so going on to the Predictions League. If you are the first time listening to the podcast, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully you stick around. But uh, we're doing a Predictor League in which the winner of the Predictions League, which is going on throughout the whole season, will win a random jersey, uh, courtesy of the other three contestants. Uh, so if we're looking at the Predictions League, Michael, you got the most points this week. You got five points because you said that, uh, what should you say? You said that Leeds would be Fulham 2-1, which is exactly what happened. That helped you along the way. So the table is rolling on 62. Mixer on 66, I'm on 72, and James on 74. So James is still out in front. He's been out in front pretty much the entire campaign. 
Uh, but we're starting off with two very good games this weekend. Uh, Leicester at home to City. Um, Leicester are obviously a good team. They started slow down a little bit, but they've picked things up. They're very impressive against United. And this is without Jamie Vardy even scoring goals. So, yeah, had Vardy goals on top of that, and they're doing brilliantly. Uh, but City are just far too good. And simply put, they will be too good. Uh, so I'm going to go 3-1 to City. I'll go for 2 all draw. Um, I don't really... Yeah, I, that's, I don't even much to add to that. I'm going to go for a 2 all draw too. It's what I put down in the predictor uh, in my... This is one of my few games I predicted City to drop points. Um, I think just Leicester, Leicester just have something about them at the minute. I just, I'm loving the Kelechi factor and uh, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going to pick up a point here. Kelechi is going to be eaten alive by Ruben Diaz. It's going to be an absolute demolition derby. Pep is going to, he's going to show Brendan Rodgers who's his daddy. They're going to win 5 0. Forget Kelechi's actually a bastard and not scoring against City Cost title two years ago. And then that fucker, Mega Mind, scored that rocket. I'm what a goal it was. Raging. So then the next game, another good one Arsenal at home to Liverpool. Um, Arsenal, I don't really know what to make of them. They're basically a bit hopeless, but then they'll spring a surprise result in you. This would be the type of game they would, they would do it. Um, but I kind of think they'll be sort of sensing that they can get a win against Liverpool they might be a little bit more open and in the end that'll get them punished so I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Liverpool yeah I'm going to go for 2-0 I think just having Jota and Fabinho back and maybe Thiago will actually play well in the midfield now that he's not having to do the number 6 role Um, I know I'm as big as hater I just think Klopp knows and I think the players know that we just need to start winning games and that's been obvious for a while now, obviously. Um, but Arsenal aren't great. It's a game we probably should be winning on paper. But obviously Arsenal have been in kind of all right form recently. I, I just think we're going to be too good for them this week. I'm going to go 1-0 Liverpool. I don't think there's going to be particularly anything that's going to stand out about this performance. But yeah, like you say, the midfield seems a lot more in place at the moment and there's a lot more structure to us. And that West Ham game shows that Arsenal don't know what they're doing at the minute, although it's very entertaining to watch. And I'm not too convinced on the Arsenal lineups. You just don't know what they're going to put out. Um, So yeah, I think they're going to lose this 1-0 to a more consistent Liverpool in the back end of the season. I think Arsenal fans might be thinking, Jesus, we're just after signing Travis Scott. He's going to score the goals, but Aubameyang's new haircut will not stop the the Liverpool dub from coming, so I'm predicting a 3-1 Liverpool win here. So we're all going with Liverpool wins away to Arsenal. Could have been some value in the Predictor League, uh, betting against Liverpool, but um, but yeah, well, your results, your predictions are final. Let's uh, so go on to the next games. Honestly, it's all downhill from here, lads. The rest of the games are not particularly good. I just went for ones that might be tough to predict. So the next one is Southampton at home to Burnley. Two teams that have very little to play for. Southampton are basically just a bit better than Burnley. So 1-0 Southampton for me. Um, I think I 1-0 Burnley because I still think Southampton are kind of a bit miserable at the minute. I know they beat Bournemouth 3-0 there in the FA Cup, but Bournemouth are shy. That is fair enough. I think we have to acknowledge our place in Southampton being 
below mediocrity at the minute because we uh, held them up as the best of the rest and they absolutely <laughs> fell apart as soon as we said that mate mate you 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 put the the title on that video not us right <laughs> oh well if you if you know you know the cia they've listened to all of that and it's very incriminating stuff in there i uh, think i had southampton version 16th on my predicted table like they're really, they're really not good no they're so weird to watch even against the blades they're very frustrating Kyle Walker Peters hasn't even been great since he's come back, but um, we'll give them we'll give them time to bet in lads like that. So, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a one nil uninspiring Southampton win here. Yeah, this is gonna be an absolutely delicious nil all draw. I I can't sense anything else happening. This one, they're just two miserable teams, and it's gonna be a miserable game. Yeah, I don't think Southampton are bad. They're just completely run out of steam. And yeah, we cursed them. Well. It's like when yeah. uh, Ronan went on that tangent about Scott Parker. And then Fulham got good. Yeah. It's all part of the plan. Specifically. I wanted Newcastle to go down. You're paid off by Fulham. Uh, right, so the next game is Villa against Fulham. Speaking of teams that have completely run out of steam recently, Aston Villa. Uh, you know, if you're predicting this game back in maybe October or November, you'd probably say 4-0 Villa. Um, but Fulham, they don't really have much to play for Villa now because they're obviously safe, but they're not going to get Europe. They're just um, in that you know zone in between uh, where Fulham obviously have everything to play for, um, but maybe not the quality that Villa do. So one one from me. Yeah, I'm also going to go one one. I think Grealish and Matty Cash are still out. Um, Grealish is back in training today. Uh, but it's still it just quite depends to come back. If he's is he, yeah, if he's fit at the weekend, they'll probably win. But I just yeah, Villa just haven't been great recently. I'm going to go for a 1-1 as well. Like Likewise, uh, they're a very interesting team, Villa, and they're in transition. Hopefully they can hold on to Matty Cash, Grealish and the like, those players, because you can really see without that talisman, they do really, really struggle. And uh, he, he Now, talk about a man, we're talking about players without personality. He has serious personality to him. Uh, and if he stays at Villa, what a legend he'd be. He deserves a statue over Aguero. Huh? So, yeah. Well, it'd be very weird for Jack Grealish got his statue outside the Etihad, James. But you never know, you know. But uh, <laughs> well, I'm dying here. He brains that. Uh, I I think this is where Fulham's luck starts to pick up, and this is where the the run into the end of the season gets interesting. So, Madge's main two one, Fulham. Yeah, we're all more or less along the same lines there. Three go, one, one, mix are you and two ones. So, um, yeah, you know, great minds think alike and all that. The last game we're going to predict is, again, maybe not the best game. Actually, two teams that are pretty horrendous to watch at the best of times. Wolves at home to West Ham. Two teams that just like to sit back very passively and counter. Uh, and I had nil-nil originally, but then I forgot that Wolves are basically not good and West Ham basically are so um i'm just gonna go with west ham to to edge it one nil um, i'm gonna go one nil the other direction one of the wolves um for no particular reason other than it just feels like one of those games where west ham have been playing brilliant all season so they're going to do a west ham and not win a game that they probably should win yeah west ham don't have the kindest run in do they but i still have them finishing quite high in my predictor table like higher than i think ollie is in fifth but um going to go for 2-1 um, West Ham win here so I had my little predictor so I'm going to stick with that I don't think Wolves look a threat at all up top at the minute I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to go with a 2-1 Wolves win 
West Ham have been surprisingly good this season. Uh, I think maybe just coming off an international break, they they had a decent run of form going into it. So I think maybe that sort of put a spanner in the works and they're going to drop some points here. And that just about brings the podcast to a close for this week. It's good to be back in the swing of things after the international break, uh, but that is the last international break uh, until the end of the season. I'm pretty certain anyway. don't think there's any others after March. Um, so we'll be back to, with weekly uploads for the next, what, six or seven weeks. Uh, and then that will finally bring the end of the first season of the Barcelona Premier League podcast. Uh, but as always, thanks very much for listening. If you're listen to this on Spotify or Apple podcast, uh, liking us, rating us, doing anything like that, leaving reviews, whatever you can do on that platform is massively appreciated. And as I've already mentioned, we'll be back next week with another episode. Network. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.